Lord is good, a stronghold in a day of distress. He cares for those who make who take refuge in him. But but just don't get too cozy. Because you know what's coming. Uh, most of the things we do on earth we will not do in heaven. But what's one thing we for sure will do in heaven? Right now, right? Worshiping. So let's, uh, let's join in praise of our Lord and Savior. Go ahead, uh, stand up. And let's get going. God is for it.
for us.
We know that God has uniquely um, gifted every one of us that are followers of Christ to glorify him in our lives. Uh, it's our mission to fulfill the Great Commission by proclaiming the gospel, uh, by faithfully teaching the Bible, and discipling believers uh, to grow into maturity and to become more and more like Jesus. Uh, we want to glorify God with inviting everyone to take their next steps towards Christ, whatever that may be. For you, we encourage you to uh, pray about and work towards that next step, uh, whether that's learning to share the gospel or how to read the Bible uh, and pray. Or if you're interested in a missions trip, we have opportunities for that. You can see Pastor Mark about more details for the missions trips. If you're interested in serving, we have many great serving opportunities uh, with the nursery, with um, the children's ministry. Uh, we definitely need help there um, with our greeter team, sound team, uh, food pantry, kitchen team. There's many opportunities. So if you're not serving, we need you to help us. So join us by taking your next step in serving. If everyone would uh, join me in prayer now, we'll go to the Lord. Father, as, as we humbly approach your throne of grace, in Jesus' name, Lord, we just praise and thank you for who you are. You are the one true sovereign God. You are faithful and just. You're loving merciful and you are marvelous Lord we marvel at at your works and as followers of Christ we understand that our citizenship is in heaven and as we eagerly await uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ may we live every day expecting his return for us God our hearts to have eternal perspectives Lord to Seek your wisdom and your will, living faithfully in the Spirit for your glory, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for our core value of biblical faithfulness. We're thankful that we've been taken hold of by Christ, and may all of us cherish, value, and honor your holy word. May we regularly open our Bibles together and grow our faith together. I pray that we will be disciples that make disciples that make disciples. That we would consistently have theological discussions and work through challenges together. Father, move our hearts closer to yours as we study your word together in D groups, in life groups. And now as we praise and worship you together and hear from your word today. Lord, we pray for our missionary partner in Utah, Redeeming Life Church. We praise you for their growth, as many have recently joined as covenant members of their church. We just pray that that would continue, Lord. We pray that you will protect them from spiritual warfare and continue to bless this church as they share the gospel of Jesus with the lost and dying in their area. Father, we pray for those that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, especially in our families, our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers. 
classmates and teammates. Lord, we pray that you will reveal yourself to those that do not know you according to your gracious will and for your eternal glory. We continue to pray for the nation of Israel and those around the world being impacted from war, from violence, turmoil, and evil. We pray for your protection and ask you to sustain those facing trials and adversity, especially those that have lost or missing loved ones. We pray that each one of them will seek your presence, your comfort, and your peace. Lord, we praise and thank you for the work you're doing with Emily's health. We thank you for giving her relief from pain and discomfort and allowing her and also Mike and Dawn to be able to rest better. We pray that you will continue to heal and strengthen her body. Lord, we also pray for Wanda's health as she continues to struggle with difficulty breathing. We just pray that uh, the specialists... Um, that are working with her will give her the appropriate treatment that would bring healing to her body and that her health would be restored. Lord, we pray for those healing from surgeries and injuries or illnesses, those battling cancer and many other diseases or illness. For those that have upcoming tests and doctor's appointments, Lord, bless them all with your healing in accordance with your will. We pray for comfort and strength for those that have recently lost loved ones. Lord, we pray for the widows and the widowers, the seniors and the shut-ins, for those in rehab facilities, skilled nursing facilities, and nursing homes. We pray for those that are isolated and lonely. Bless them with your presence, your comfort, and your peace, Lord. Shield and protect them from illness and injury. And send them spirit-filled, encouraging visitors and loving, compassionate caregivers. Send them to show and share the love of Christ with them. Lord, continue to use this church body as your instrument to demonstrate Christ's love and compassion, to care and support for those in need. We pray for those not here with us today. Some are traveling, others are absent for other reasons. Whatever the case may be, Lord, we ask you to protect and provide for their needs and bring them back to serve and worship with us next week. In all things, Lord, your will be done for your glory. Amen. So our corporate scripture reading is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but was made alive by the Spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient. When God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in it a few, that is, eight people, were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with the angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. Praise God. Amen. This is God's holy word. All right, would you go ahead and stand back up? We're going to sing Victory in Jesus. So no matter what happens in our lives, we know the story ends well, right? It ends in victory. Victory in Jesus. Thank you. 
Well, good morning, church. This morning, we're going to be finishing our series in Philippians. We're going to be in chapter 4, starting in verse 10. So while, if you want to turn there, if you, uh, there's a copy of the translation we preached through in front of you. If you didn't bring your Bible this morning, you want to grab that one. It's going to be page 1042. So let's turn together in our copy of God's Word. Now, uh, before we get into that... Um, Many of you will know I'm um, actually in the process of finishing up my uh, doctoral dissertation. And um, in my research for my paper, uh, I came across, well, my, my paper is, is about the missionary sending practices of a, what amounts to a denomination who sent more missionaries per capita than any other missionary sending organization in history. As of 1800, the uh, Moravians had for every seven people in the congregation, there was one person on the mission field. Think about that for a moment. Even a congregation of our size would have a dozen or so missionaries of our own on the field. And it was across the board that way. So my dissertation, my plan for my dissertation is to, to look at their, how did they do that? How did they become this kind of a missionary people? And as I was uh, uh, doing my research, I came across this story, and I wanted to read it to you. So this is not the Bible. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm holding this other book. So don't, this is not God's Word, but this is a story of God's people. And I want to read it, uh, a little bit of it to you. For the sake of the holy cause of the gospel, the brethren toiled with brain and hand. They built their own houses, they made their own clothes and books, they tilled the soil, bred cattle, grew vegetables, and kept him, hens. They sawed their own wood, spun their own yard, wove, yarn, excuse me, wove their own cloth and baked their own bread, and then selling at the regular market price what they did not need for their own consumption, they spent the profits in the support of preachers, teachers, and missionaries to the Indians. For a motto, the brethren took the words, together we pray, together we labor, together we suffer, together we rejoice. The motive, however, was not social, but religious. As Paul, said Spangenberg, worked with his own hands so as to be able to preach the gospel without pay, so we, according to our ability, will do the same. And thus, even a child of four will be able, by plucking wool, to serve the gospel. For this cause, the plowman delved the soil, the joiner sawed, the blacksmith swung his hammer, and the young men with songs on their lips felled trees in the forest. For this cause, the fond mothers with tears of joy in their eyes handed over their children to the care of the guardians, and thus, with fingers free to work, made shoes, cut patterns, ground powder for the chemist's shop, sliced turnips, knitted socks, and copied invoices and letters. As the fireman stoked, he felt as important as if he were guarding the Ark of the Covenant. And in all the labor, the missionary impulse rang like a clarion call. What kind of commitment would cause a mother to be glad to put her children in childcare so she can work for others? Can a child of four really serve the gospel by plucking wool? 
How can the one who keeps the cooking fires burning think himself as important as the priests guarding the ark? We will see from our text today that even we who have yet to go as missionaries can be part of the mission nonetheless through our giving. So hopefully you've turned in your Bible to Philippians 4. I turned in another book, so excuse me for just a moment. Philippians 4, starting in verse 10. I'm going to read this. This is God's word. That wasn't God's word. This is God's word. Philippians 4, starting in verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I'm fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray indeed that you would receive all glory as we study your word together. I pray that you would help us to believe it, to understand it, to obey it, and to teach it to others. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So our text today, ending the book of Philippians, is a message to those of us who haven't gone yet. Those of us who are staying behind. Those of us who haven't braved the sea or the land, given our all in sacrifice to God to see the gospel go forth. To the rest of us, most of us who don't go, this message is for you. So for anyone who ever thought that maybe this ending of the book, and a lot of times when we read the epistles, we get to the end and we think, oh, this is just Paul's business with the church he's talking to, let's just ignore it. No, there's a particular message for most of the people in the church who will never go overseas to be missionaries, or to go across the country, or to cross cultural or linguistic barriers for the gospel. For the rest of us, this is for us. First, in our text, we see, and if you're taking notes, this is our first point this morning, when you give to the mission, you bless missionaries. 
When you give to the mission, you bless missionaries. We see in verse 10, 14, 16, and 18, the main point of the text is that Paul is rejoicing because of the gift the Philippians gave and sent by, me, by way of Epaphroditus. They're, Paul is grateful for that gift, and he's rejoicing in that gift. As a matter of fact, he lifts up the Philippians by calling them a partner in ministry. Imagine being called a partner in ministry with Paul the Apostle. What an honor. What a, what a, what a joy to be called Paul's partner in the gospel. Verse 15 Paul reminds the people of Philippians, and they apparently knew this because he said, remember, that when I, that before, you guys were the only people who were supporting me. I had no other mission partners, and all of my financial, all of his financial support came through the Philippians. The truth is, the point of Paul's entire ending of this book is to draw attention to the Philippians' gifts and partnership in the gospel. Now, I say all that because within this passage is no doubt a few verses that you've probably memorized. Namely, uh, you know, and I memorized it in the NIV, I think, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? And in the name of that text, we have applied all kinds of abilities to ourselves. And the name, uh, you know, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I've actually literally heard someone preach this text and say, just stick something in the place of all things. And it's true. So I can, you know, in one sense, I can share the gospel because Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. I can overcome my fear through Christ who strengthens me. I can leap tall buildings with a single bound through Christ who strengthens me. We're laughing because we all know that's ridiculous, but. That's the verse that we like to take away from this. Because why, why is that? Because it, 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 it puffs us up. It, it gives us encouragement because life is hard. Paul says, "Join." thank you for joining me, partnering with me, what? In my hardship. So he's acknowledging that our life is difficult. We know it is. And so we want to be encouraged by this ability to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The problem is that text ain't about you. <laughs> It's Paul. Paul is explaining to the Philippians that, as we'll see, the reason he is grateful, and the, the, the reason he's talking, he's, he's talking to the Philippians is, is not to say, oh goodness, if you hadn't sent that money, where would I be? I would be completely lost. No, he spends that entire paragraph saying, in fact, I don't need your money because God continues to provide for me. So let me say that's the right smack center of the text. Paul is not encouraging us by saying we can do whatever we want as long as it's in Jesus' name. That's not what he's saying. He's telling the Philippians not to give out of pity for Paul. Because Paul is saying, I'll be fine. And we'll see why he says to give, but that's, that's the point of the text. So that, having said that, Paul betrays that truth in the text, because he points out how useful their gift has been. He's been full. He's been supplied. Why? How? 
through their gift. When he says, I'm content to do with little, what, where did that little come from? He doesn't say, I've been learned to be content with nothing. He says, I've learned to be content with little. Where did the little come from? It came by means of the support that came from the Philippian church. And before, when he, they, when all he, the only support he was receiving was from the Philippians, that's the little he dealt with. But it still came from the faithful giving of the Philippian church. Okay? So he himself has been blessed by the gifts that the Philippians have sent. Now, one of the great things about the way we do mission partnerships at our church, the way we give through the cooperative program, we'll talk more about that in a minute, is our gifts go to missionaries. They bless missionaries. So in the same way that the Philippians' gift blessed Paul, our gifts to missions bless missionaries. And we got, I got to have a, we get to have a front row seat as to how that happens as we partner alongside Chris and Rhonda Richard in their mission to Argentina. Now, back when they were in Mexico for a year learning the Spanish language, you may remember that Chris uh, suffered a repeated injury to his Achilles tendon. He was um, playing basketball just as a means to get to know some lost people. In the process of playing that basketball, he ruptured his Achilles tendon, which you can imagine is horrifyingly painful, right? So here's the thing, and, and, and as, as, when you're a missionary in the field, Depending on where you live, you might have a very uh, a variety of different kinds of healthcare options, right? Or you might just have one. But when you are self-funded as a missionary, more often than not, you don't have insurance. So if something like that comes up, you're just going to have to figure out how to pay for that out of the support money that you raise by um, going from church to church. But one of the awesome things about Chris and Rhonda being IMB missionaries is we fully support them. As, as, as Southern Baptist churches, they don't have to go raise funds anywhere. I don't, a lot of people don't know that. That's the best part, by the way, about being a Southern Baptist is because you can know that your missionaries don't have to come back every year, year and a half to raise more funds. They can stay where they're needed and we'll worry about raising the funds, which is what Paul was doing in chapter 4 and what to some extent we're doing now. So um, we saw that his, it, so he injured his foot. He was able to go not just to a majority world, maybe lower quality healthcare hospital, but he was able to actually get the healthcare he needed at a much nicer hospital than he would have otherwise done because of your faithful giving to the cooperative program. So Chris not only went in for one surgery, he came back out, healed up, and injured again, <laughs> and had to go back and get another surgery on his foot. All of that stuff, he didn't have to worry about where that money was coming from because he knew that Southern Baptist churches were holding him up and giving so that to keep him on the field. We often want to imagine every penny we give for missions is going to pay for things like Bibles and to rent buildings, and much of it does. But we also have to keep the missionaries alive and on the field. And that's a big thing that we get to see at front and row and front and center. We get to see the way that our money is not only going, helping the gospel go forward, but it's helping to keep these witnesses on the field where they're needed so they don't have to come back home for health care or, or for to raise further monies. 
So as we think about the fact that when we give to missions, it blesses missionaries, consider how your family can bless a missionary. It might be financially, but it might be otherwise. You might decide as a family to do something like raise money for Lottie Moon. You might decide to do something like this. Let's watch this video together. himself to make this video, I and mean, I think he obviously got a little bit of help, but uh, what if our families together, you know, if your family could decide, we're going to raise money for what's coming up, our Lottie Moon Christmas offering is coming up, what if you as a family decided to, to, get, to kind of get together and figure out ways to raise money to give for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering? That would be one way in which we could see our giving uh, bless missionaries. We are on track next year. I am so excited to send a record number of short-term missionaries uh, for our church. I, don't, I think we will send more next year on short-term trips than any year we've ever had. That is, the Lord is doing awesome work in our midst, giving us these ability. So we will likely send 15 to 20 of our own short-term missionaries next year. Now, you've seen uh, the, the advertising videos, and you know how much these things cost. Uh, between the Buenos Aires trip and the London trip, each of those cost $2,300 a person. Most of the people going on those trips signed up for those trips, paid a deposit in faith, not necessarily having the money, and probably a lot of you would be the same way. So one way in which we can send our short-term missionaries is to decide if you can't go on a trip, perhaps you can give toward a trip. And you can just, um, if you want to do that like via check or something, you can just write in the memo line, uh, one of our trips, just so, to, and we can put that money towards somebody's way to go. You can sponsor a person. If, you, if there's a person you, you know is going, you could go to them and say, hey, I'd like to pay part of your way. I'd like to pay all your way. I mean, I'd, anybody would love to hear that news. <laughs> so I would love to see us connect to our missionary goers, and we'll, we'll be uh, maybe sending those lists out here in the next couple of weeks once we firm those, both, uh, all those trips up. But, um, but pray about ways in which you can give to bless our short-term missionaries. Also, um, your normal giving, and, and I meant to bring one up here, but on the next step, de uh, desk, desk, booth, table, piece of furniture, in that place that's right outside the door over here, there's handouts that talk about the breakdown in what's cooperative programs. So as a Southern Baptist church, the thing that makes us Southern Baptist is not a cultural distinction. It's not that we 
do music a certain way or a building looks a certain way. To be Southern Baptist is to give to the cooperative program. Cooperative program is a fundraising, is the fundraising arm and the primary purpose of the Southern Baptist Convention. And that is to take money from all of the Southern Baptist churches that we give, put it into a pot, and divide it up in several ways. I'm not going to talk about all of those ways that handout is out there. If you're interested, grab it. There's one thing I would point out on it, and the handout says that the KBC takes 55% of, of, of those cooperative programs. It's actually 50%. 5% of that is where the KBC takes on some of the advertising and resource costs of the IMB. So actually, 50% of our cooperative program dollars stay in the state and 50% go outside of our state. We are actually leading the convention, we're one of the leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention as a state for the amount of money we send out of the state. We have one of the highest rates of any Baptist state convention in the U.S. So that's, that's a pretty, I'm pretty proud of that actually. That's pretty exciting. So from our own church, like out of all of the money we we take in from offerings under normal circumstances, uh, we take 6% of an un undesignated offerings, and that goes to the cooperative program. So that's split in half. Half of it stays in our state. Half of that goes to international missions. 2% um, of our offerings, what we take in every year, goes to the Northern Kentucky Baptist Association, which kind of functions separately from the Southern Baptist Convention and the Kentucky Baptist Convention. So we give 2%. That goes for, for um, church planting, which we're really excited about. We've begun the process as the, as the mission team with the NKBA to, to point out and look for places where we could plant churches. I'm really excited about being a part of that. And uh, so 2% goes to NKBA, and 2% we use internally not to stay here, but for our, our direct missions partners. These are partners like uh, we prayed for this morning, Brian and Lisa Catherman and uh, Redeeming Life Church in Salt Lake. We, that goes to support Josiah, one of their pastors, and church planters and residents uh, to, to kind of help him to get ready to then one day go plant a church. So that's part of our, that our funds. Part of it goes to Carl Porter, who's a church planter, our church planter in London, who, Lord willing, we'll go see in June. So 10%, we basically tithe as a congregation, 10% of what we take in goes directly to missions. But in the next month, we will be getting what's called the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. When you give to Lottie Moon Christmas offering, 100% of that goes to the International Mission Board. It bypasses all administrative costs and goes straight to the International Mission Board. The second week of Advent, so that's the second week of December, we're going to be taking up that offering kind of en masse uh, together in our march to the manger. So be thinking about as a family, pray about how you might be able to raise funds, to gather some funds together, to give on that day. Our, our goal then to, to, for, for Laudium and Christmas offering is $10,000. So um, I would encourage you, pray about, think about how you might give toward uh, that offering so that can go straight to IMB missionaries like Chris and Rhonda. So when we, um, when we give to the mission, God blesses missionaries. When Paul says that God has given him contentment with little and that God will supply all our needs, we need to see that we are the means by which God supplies the needs of the missionaries on the field. Okay? So while we said first, when you give to the mission, you bless missionaries. Second, when you give to the mission, God is using you for the mission. Again, Paul saw the gifts that the Philippians gave 
as partnership with him in mission. They were part of the mission. They didn't go to the places that Paul went in person, but they went in spirit, in prayer, and in gifts. They were considered part of the mission. Paul connects the Philippians' gift with his own need in verse 16. In verse 17, Paul wants the Philippians to receive credit for the gift. He says, not that, not that I need. Don't give it so that, uh, so that you feel bad for me and you want to provide for my needs, as great as that is. Give because it will be counted to you. I want you to receive credit in your account. That's a very strange thing to say. God fully supplied Paul through the Philippians giving, it says in verse 18. Now you might think to yourself, like, and again, one of the beauties, you're going to hear about this a bunch this morning, one of the beauties of the cooperative program is not just our church, but thousands of churches all over the, all over the country are giving together so that churches, maybe smaller churches that can't give as much, are still a substantial part of what God is doing in the world. It, I, I'm reminded of the, the, the boy's lunch in the New Testament, the Gospels, when the boy shares the five loaves and two fishes, you know, we kind of grew up, if you grew up in church, you remember hearing about this in Sunday school, maybe you remember a flannel graph or something like that. And this is another text, by the way, the Bible gives us interpretation for that we've missed. Um, you know, the main point of that text, Jesus later says, is to demonstrate how the bad theology and the bad um, practices of the Pharisees infiltrates everything. So that's the point of that text. So just to make sure you understand, the point of that text is not you should share your lunch so that God will multiply it to 5,000 people. That's not for you. That's a one-time thing. That happened once. But think about what God was able to do. This is secondary application. First, first point is, in that text, the, 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 the leaven of the Pharisees. But secondary, think about what God was able to do with five loaves and two fishes. He's not saying that he's going to take your money and it, you're, you're going to put it in the, in the manger, like on, on the second Sunday of December. You're going to put it in the manger here, and as you drop your $5 bill, it's going to become $500. Like that's, maybe I can do that. I'm not saying you can't, but that's not what I, my point. My point is that God can take a little and do a lot. When we are faithful with little, God will give us more opportunities often to be faithful with much. In God's hands, even what little you are able to do, God can make much of it. But I want to encourage you to not think, well, I'll just give my little. I mean, do that by all means. But think about ways in which you can give sacrificially. Interestingly enough, in the midst of Paul saying, I'm thankful for your gifts, he says, and God will supply all your needs. So, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but God's going to... Uh, if, if you give sacrificially and pray that God would give you more opportunities to give, he might very well be pleased to do that and to increase your capacity, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, have you ever wanted to be a part of something bigger than yourself? Perhaps you're here today or you're ch checking this out online and you haven't trusted in Christ yet, but you feel this desire, as many of us do, to want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. That's what the kingdom is. That thing in your heart that, that, that gives you that desire to be a part of a cause, that thing is the draw of the Holy Spirit to be part of the coming kingdom. A day is coming when everyone will, who's left will be a part of that kingdom. Right? 
So that's, that's what that is. That's drawing you to the kingdom even before you've trusted in Christ. Let me encourage you. Follow that. Come. Stay. Be a part of what God is doing here at Hebron and all over the world through the, the, the ministry of the church. If God hasn't called you to go, he's calling you to send and support. Um, I think it was Spurgeon that said, you're either a goer, a sender, or disobedient. <laughs> um, all of us participate in the mission together. And so when we give to the mission, God is using us for the mission. Not only do we get to be part of the mission, but God gives you everything you need, as we were just saying. So thirdly, when you give to the mission, God provides the means. Paul had, saw his supply as ultimately coming from God. Verse 13, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. In the midst of that context, he's saying, well, I was able to do much with little. Well, where did that little come from? That little still came from the church. God uses means to support the missionaries. So Paul saw his supply as ultimately coming from God. Paul knew from experience that God supplies his needs. So when he's talking about the way in which he has dealt with much and with little, and he's thanking them for their needs, what does he say? And God will supply all your needs in Christ Jesus. So Paul's saying, just like God's provided for me, he's going to provide for you. And when God provides for the givers, for the supporters, what can those supporters then do? They turn around and they support more. So you can pray that God would increase your capacity to give. That God would maybe surprise you with an extra bonus or, or just funds that you weren't expecting to have. And when that happens, you can say, oh, I prayed for that. Now, don't go out and buy a Nintendo Switch with that. That's not the thing. God isn't rewarding you for that prayer with the ability to spend it on yourself. But if you pray, God, give me the greater capacity to give, and he does so, thank him for that, and then faithfully bring that before him. God will supply all your needs. You need to be in a certain position to give in the first place. So how did you get the money to, that you have to give to the mission? Well, God provided it for you before you even knew what to do with it. This is a bit like, I don't know if you do this in your house, but in my house we do this some. When, when the kids want to give Christmas presents to each other, um, I'm tempted to say, well, if you want to do that, great, go get a job. Um, but they can't do that. That's illegal. So... Um, <laughs> What do we do? Well, we say, okay, you know, here's, here's $5, here's $10, go, you know, for, towards this gift. We give them money to give gifts to them, each other, but when the day comes, Christmas morning or whenever it is that you open presents, and the kids are opening their gifts from each other, like, they, they, don't, they don't go, oh, thanks, Mom or Dad, for paying for this gift that supposedly came from Josh. They don't say that. They say, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Liam, or whatever your kids' names are. Um, yeah, they, they, they see that gift as coming from the other, even though it, the money for that came from the parent. That's the way God works. When God tells us to be faithful to give, God then provides the gifts to give. And so, um, the, we get to participate in, and this is the crazy thing, we get to participate in and get credit for the mission. Now this is a very strange thing for Paul to say. I want to go back and just read it again just so you know I'm not making this stuff up. 
Verse 16, for even in Thessalonica you sent gifts for my needs several times. Verse 17, not that I seek the gift, verse 17, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. This is Paul talking. This is Paul who says, my works are like filthy rags. This is Paul who says, I consider everything that I have done to be dung. He does not the kind of guy to puff himself up to say that we deserve any kind of credit. Paul is the one who says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But yet Paul is saying, I want you to get credit for what you've done. What an incredible gospel witness that God so loved us that he sent his son to die on the cross for us so that we might be saved, but not just saved, but put on mission given a purpose and then it credit for the thing that God did God provided the means to give God provided the strength for the missionary God provided the gospel message God provided the salvation all of it is from God but then Paul says I want you to get credit for it how good is God we don't deserve any credit but God is gracious and good and kind to let us be a part and be called a part in the end, it's not like God is going to go, thanks for that. He's going to say, welcome, come in, be part of the party, where we're going to rejoice at what God has done. We get to be a part of that. We don't deserve to be a part of that. How good is God? Things like the cooperative program are testimonies to what God does through the collective ministry of the universal church. Some have the gift of giving, some have the gift of going, but God supplies all of them. Your paycheck, bonus, retirement are the means by which God provides finances for the mission. Sometimes we think that somebody out there, some rich benefactor is covering all these things. Surely it can't be my measly 10%. It is your 10%. We work together to do this. So, you know, when Paul says, when you... When nobody else gave, all I had was your money. All I had was the, what you gave. You were the only ones giving. Now, he doesn't say this, and he's intentionally saying the opposite. I don't give because I need it, because God's providing for me. Give so that you get credit. However, how does God provide the means? I don't want to say if you don't give, it won't happen, because that's exactly the opposite of what Paul's saying. However, God uses means. So we give not because it's like, well, if I don't give... Chris and Rhonda are going to starve. No, that's not the point. We get to be a part of what they're doing, and we get to be counted a part of what they're doing, and God provides the means to do that. So make a bold goal as a family, as we've said, for, to, to, to raise money for missions. Pray for God to increase your giving capacity. Pray about how you might contribute towards us as a church raising $10,000 for international missions in just a few weeks. Since God has provided all that you need to participate in the mission, God gets all the glory. So first we saw, when you give to the mission, you bless missionaries. Secondly, when you give to the mission, God is using you for the mission. Thirdly, when you give to the mission, God provides the means. And lastly, because God does all of it, when you give to the mission, you glorify God. Paul describes the Philippians' gift as a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, and pleasing to God. Again, is anything we do 
of any actual value to God? Paul says no. But he values it anyway. That is the grace of God that he accepts our gift, that he accepts our worship. And I tell the worship team this all the time, not on the basis of our works. Musicians, we, God doesn't accept our worship because you're good at your instrument. Singers, God doesn't accept our worship because we're good singers. Praise God for those of us who don't think we're very good singers. We, God accepts our worship because of Christ. And Christ is awesome. God accepts our worship because of Christ. And Christ is awesome. God accepts our gifts because of Christ. And Christ gave the best gift. Christ sacrificed in ways we can't possibly imagine. We have a word for the kind of sacrifice that Jesus gave in the English language that even unbelievers use, and it's excruciating. Even unbelievers use that word, and that is the word describing the pain that Jesus felt on the cross. Cruz is the root word, crux, cross. Jesus sacrificed everything for us, and when God sees our sacrifice, which is measly in comparison, God nonetheless is pleased through Christ, and glorified in Christ. Is that good news? Amen. Paul's own doxology at the end appears after a discussion about God provides for our needs. Verse 20. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> and talking about just the way we are, and talking about the way God used the Philippians' gift to provide for him, he erupts into worship. And so should we. It's God providing for God's people through the resources he provides through other people. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, we get this picture of, of worship in the new heaven and these 24 elders on thrones. And in verse uh, 10 and 11, it says, the 24 elders fell down before the one seated on the throne and worshiped the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne and say, our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Now, when you read the entire book of Revelation, you know where those crowns come from? That's a reward. It's the crown of life God gives to those who have trusted in him. So God gives us reward for our faithfulness to him. But what's that reward for? Is that for uh, us to just glory in ourselves and for everyone else to see our badge of honor, the way in which we sacrificed for Christ? No. What, is it, what, are the king, what do the elders do with their crowns? They lay it at Jesus' feet. We are storing up merit not to keep, not to glorify ourselves, but to lay at the feet of Jesus to actually have a decent gift to give. Much like the, the, the magi who visit the baby Jesus will, 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 will relish in over the next few weeks. God gives us the gift that when we lay it at his feet, it's pleasing to him. 
Seeing your giving to missions as worship can give you a new excitement and joy in giving. Now, here's the thing. My family, we give online. Like, that's how we do it. Uh, it's just simpler. We don't deal with a lot of cash. I don't even know where my checkbook is. So, like, that's, that's a normal kind of way to give, and a lot of us do that. And I, So, I'm not condemning that practice, but here's what I'm suggesting. You may have noticed, by the way, a few months ago, we started passing the plates again. After, you know, long after COVID was kind of over, we started doing that again. And you might wonder, why do we do that? Because a considerable amount of our giving comes from online. Well, the reason we do that, and the reason we set aside a time in worship, even though you could literally walk in, stick your offering in the black box and forget about it. You could literally automate your giving to just come out of your check and you don't have to think about it. But is that worship? No, that's automatic. We don't even think about that. And as a matter of fact, if your giving doesn't bother you, you don't think about it, maybe you're not giving enough. Maybe that's something to consider just overall. If it's not causing you to tighten your belt a little bit, then maybe we all, myself included, need to consider how we might give more sacrificially. But what I want to encourage you to do, we give you the time to do it. You know, as we sit for the first bit, that's not just so that we can pull our wallets out and put something in the plate. That's also a time, doesn't take very long, if you were one that gives online, I would encourage you, wait until then. Don't do it at home, necessarily. I mean, you can, I'm not, this, this isn't the Lord saying you should. But this is a practice. If you do it during that time, it's a little easier to, to feel like it's worship, because it is. That's why we give that time, even though you can drop in the box or you could do it on your phone before you get in here or afterwards or whatever you want to, and that's great, please do that. But, but whenever you do it, stop and pause and give thanks and praise to the one who supplied that gift and consider it worship when you do Worship through giving is something anyone can do and even lead out in, whether they're a man, woman, adult, or child. Even kids, guys. <laughs> I remember as a kid, you know, having big old plastic bags full of nickels and dimes I'd stick in the offering. You know, like that, that is a real gift. Children, you can do that too. But all of us, this is something we can all do in our very gifts that God has given us. He's given us different gifts, different amounts of gifts. So it's different for everybody, but consider how you might make your giving an act of worship. So, just to kind of wrap up our time in the book of Philippians, next week we're going to start a new series called Christmas Playlist Volume 2. We'll be looking at uh, songs uh, about Jesus in the New Testament, but as we wrap up the book of Philippians, we've seen through this series in Philippians that Paul wanted the church to experience joy. And this, all of our sermon titles have had the word joy in it. Paul wanted the Philippians to experience joy, which we now at the end see fulfilled in being a part of God's mission. That should bring us joy. We were made for this, and there is nothing that will make us happier or more fulfilled than being a part of what God is doing in the world. God has given us the ability to be a blessing to missionaries. He's included us in the mission. He's given us the means to be a significant part, and all of this is bringing him glory. And we need to remember, we are not deserving of these gifts. Paul says the reason he wants to encourage them to continue to give is to accrue more credit to their account. And yet Paul, of all people, understands that none of us are deserving of any credit. God has been so gracious to us by not ignoring or excluding us from the joy of being a part of his coming kingdom, but instead by giving us the means and the ability to actually make a difference. How? 
Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving us, for sending to Jesus to die for us, for not ignoring us, for being with us and for us, for loving us and giving us a purpose and a plan. Lord, we pray that through uh, our giving, through our love, through our, our going and our faithfulness, Lord, that you would bless missionaries, that you would glorify your name, that we would feel a part of what you're doing, and uh, again, that you would be glorified in all things. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ and of your glory. Amen. Would you go ahead and stand up?
have a time of offering now, so would you go ahead and be seated? pattern we're seeing from week to week ways in which God is using our gifts in this case the North American Mission Board through the cooperative program to see churches planted in places like California among people who probably wouldn't just show up to church on a Sunday if we invited them so continue to pray uh, continue to find uh, think of what ways to give um, so as we close before we go into our time of offering just a couple of announcements you can read uh, the, the, the thing here I would encourage you um, Maybe stick this stuff on your calendar, a little insert this in your bulletin today, stick this on your calendar, and then I tried to get invitations printed out, and we just had copy machine issues. So this will work just as well as anything else. So if you want to just put this in your phone, like many of us do, and then think of somebody you can give this to to invite to our Christmas stuff uh, over the Christmas time. This is one season and one time where lots of people are the most likely to come to church. So really, really think about who you can invite to be a part, but I wouldn't draw one attention, unfortunately, to this green schedule thing, and you're going to have to tell whoever it is you invite that this is the case. Our Christmas service is, we're not going to have service on the 25th, that's a Monday, so that's the 24th, so that's our sort of Christmas Sunday is actually on the 24th, so do not come on Monday morning, the 25th, at 10.30, you will be alone in this building. There will be no one here. In fact, you'll probably find the doors locked. And you will think that's a very unwelcoming thing to do. Um, so, we will not be here the 20th. It's the 24th is our Christmas service. Um, just remember and pray about ways to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We're going to have a big offering on the 10th during worship for world missions. Um, yeah, so invite friends to these Christmas events. Um, especially next Sunday... Wow, this is just rapidly approaching. Next Sunday is our fireside service, uh, fireside Christmas. We are pulling out all the stops. We're making it everything we could possibly be on our end. So here's your job to bring people. <laughs> so we've done our job to make it the best we can make it. Musicians are working hard. We're rehearsing. Uh, we've got people getting a nice, sweet spread and decorations downstairs for the fellowship time. Your job is to go and invite people. So just invite a friend, use this, use this up as an opportunity to talk to them even longer by explaining to them that we're not going to be here the 25th. So you, you just, more time to talk, you know, just a correction. So anyway, um, that being said, let, I'm going to pray uh, that God would bless these gifts. So Lord, thank you for, again for this opportunity to give, to be a part of the mission. I pray that you would um, take these gifts, multiply them. Lord, use them to churches, to send missionaries, to... Um, 
to support missionaries, to keep them on the field longer. Um, Lord, also that the gospel can go out and your name can be glorified. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.